Okay, we are back at Under the Sun, and today is the third installment of talking with coaches about building a culture of success and winning and what all is involved and doing this one a little bit different. Today's special guest is Coach Woody Hunt at the Cumberland University baseball team, and we actually recorded a separate episode a few weeks ago but something special has happened lately, this past weekend, in fact. And I thought, you know what? I want to include that into the show. So, Coach Hunt, thank you for the call this morning so we could talk about that. How are you doing today? Well, doing well, Tim. Just kind of recovering from the weekend. It was a good, good weekend. Yeah. I didn't realize, I know you knew this, but I didn't realize when we recorded a couple weeks ago that your record stood at uh, 1,599 victories in your career, yeah, which is, uh, boy, that's a lot of W's. And so you went into this weekend, you know, you'd, you'd, uh, you'd lost some games to start the season, hadn't gotten the first victory, but then this past Saturday uh, got the W against the, I believe, the 10th-ranked team in the country. And yeah. won the game in the bottom, in extra innings, and in, in, in the bottom half of the inning. To get victory 1600, and uh, you know, I want to just say congratulations because that is an incredible and staggering number. Uh, and I want to ask you, how how did that feel? I know it's just one game, but you know, I added it up, and you have you have coached 2,350 total games. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of games, and you really don't think about the number of games uh, very much. But when you add them up, and all these years, it does. It's a staggering number, and I don't know how I've been able to last that long, but it is. So I'm I'm thankful to to a lot of people, mainly players in our school. Well, and how you won that 1600th victory was, you know, unique and special. Came from behind. Uh, and had the bases loaded, and uh, the team, the you know the the visiting team just didn't make a play, and it went to our advantage. So, what what was that feeling like, though? You know, because it boy, I saw a lot of excitement in the videos that I saw. What for you as a coach did that feel like, and what did it mean to you to just hit that number? Well, a little bit relieved it was over with because it's always hanging over your shoulder. You 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 know about it because you get reminded of it so much, and. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you relief and just really I was glad to get our team a win because we needed a win for our team. And just uh, the excitement that it brought about and it had to be the 1600 win and and to do it against Oklahoma City and a, gr- a great team and a great coach and a great friend of mine was even more rewarding. I'm sure he didn't want it to happen that way. But, you know, he's got over 1500 wins himself and he will he will by far go past my number because he's younger than me, he's, he's, I'm not sure exactly, in the 60s somewhere. So, you know, he's going to eclipse every, every record. He may not be able to reach Gordy Gillespie's number, but uh, he's going to, you know, he'll, he'll pass mine for sure. Yeah. So it was rewarding against an old friend. Well, I thought I saw something that said, I think the athletic department put something out and said that you are currently, I might be wrong here, but you are currently the active winningest college baseball coach in the country 
Now, is that I don't know if that's true or not, and you may not even realize it, but if you're not, you're pretty dang close. And I think that's just incredible. You know, you've got 24 seasons where you had 40 or more victories. You have eight seasons where you had 50 or more. And I'm not sure people realize how hard it is to to pull off that much success. And that winning record, yeah. you know, that winning percentage is amazing. Well, it's just a grind, Tim. As you well know, it's been a player. You know, you can't can never give in and give up. You just got to keep going and, is it one milestone comes up, you just got to forget about it and go on. And I don't know if I'm the winningest coach in the country or not, but uh, at least NAIA, I don't know if it's all base, all of college baseball or not. I really don't know for sure on that. Uh, but if it is, I'm proud of it, proud for our program and what it may bring to our program. And individual accomplishments are, are good. You know, everybody likes to be recognized and you can't deny that. But you know, it's more than about me. It's about programming, about players like you that have have, have uh, played so well. And you know, I've, I've uh, uh, we've had a, a strong vision for our program many, many years ago, and even decades ago. And you were part of that. You know what it is. And and we've been able to accomplish those things. And but you just got to keep going. You never stop dreaming for a team. You never stop stop dreaming for a program. You just got to keep plugging and and go on and and things have happened and but you know we got other dreams that we want to accomplish here and for our program not for me for, for our program so that's the way i look at it just got to keep going yeah well currently you're at 1601 victories 744 losses and five ties which ties annoy me oh they annoy me and i look yeah. back at the records of when I was playing for those three years, and I'll be dang if if the teams I were on I, that I was on, we have two of those five ties, and I, <laughs> oh, I just I'd well, rather I'd rather lose, Coach Hunt. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I know it's it's uh, it's it's in the percentages. It's like a tie. It's like a loss anyway. So yeah. you know, it's uh, I think it's called the darkness, probably yep. or yep. You know, they that were. type of thing. They and, were uh, so. You know, it's nothing you can do about it. And so it's just, I know uh, Coach Crabo, he's got a couple on his record too, I think, as I saw. And yeah, those ties are kind of aggravating, but, uh, <laughs> you know, with the darkness and, you know, with those many years, I'm surprised it's not more than that. But, That's true. Uh, I wish we could go back and play to replay those games and at least resume them, but it'd be kind of hard to do, bring your old guys back. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm sure the they record. would do it if they if someone gave us the opportunity. But I I feel yeah. I'm thankful and grateful <laughs> that, uh, yeah, thankful and grateful that I was a part of 123 of those yeah. 1,601 victories. 123, uh, and yeah. I just look yeah. back and you know to be a part of the 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 bigger picture is something that I just reflect on fondly. And so, speaking of reflecting fondly. Something I'm gonna I wanted to ask you, and I'll put you on the spot, and I'm gonna answer the question too. Okay, so so my question for you is: Here we are, deep into your career, and you've achieved this, and and you're going to achieve some other wonderful things too. I'm certain of, but y you know you're good. You've always been good at, even when I was playing, and when I've been around the team of late, you've always been good at picking out players uh, to highlight among the team when we're in a team setting 
you'll say, hey, look at, I want you to watch Steve Wilson run the bases. Look how he does this. Or yeah. look at how such and such, you see how he did that. You should try your best to emulate this person. And so I know you don't have a problem picking people out of a crowd and saying, look at the goodness of what they're doing and let's try to be like them because they have it in spades. So the question is, who are a couple of your favorite players in the early years, just the early years, that nobody has probably heard of that were key to making this success possible? And you go back in history. Who were a couple of favorite players that stand out for you? You mean that were all the All Americans, like yourself, everybody knows who they were. Yeah. Uh, but I, someone maybe that is not all American that just poor boy, boy, they you know what? They were they were glue. They were glue that season, even though maybe they didn't get the attention of the headlines or the, the Lebanon Democrat wasn't writing about them. Who, who, who was really some, someone that stood out for you? Well, there's been several of them, Tim, and kind of hard to pick those people out. I think, you know, Steve Wilson was a good, good example. You just mentioned him. Uh, would be one of the a few that I could pick out because he's always uh, so humble he worked very hard, come, came as virtually a walk-on and came almost a draftable player. Uh, and just the way he played the game, how hard he played and and all that. And, uh, you know, one another guy I think about, I don't think he was an All-American, he was a really good player, got drafted, was Tommy Smith, you know, uh, yep. and how good he was. I don't think he made All-American. but No, he didn't. He, how, how good he was and how uh, – he was just a mean guy on the field. I don't, I don't mean a mean person, but right. he'd, he'd cut your heart out. He loved the win. <laughs> got, he got some big hits for us. And, you know, him and I, we I'd get after him all the time, but he took it the right way. Just a tough-minded guy that uh, uh, that I remember that maybe not got the all the acclaim that he should have gotten, but he would definitely be one of them. And then, uh, you know, there's been – uh, uh, some uh, the pitching staff of 14 who we had nobody that really got any awards any at all uh, in fact the whole team was not even awarded very well but the pitching staff was so uh, just did a great job we had a bunch of guys that were just maybe so-so in stats and but they just won they had big hearts and uh, so I, I would have to pick out the pitching staff of 14 would be Mm. The, and the whole staff, you know, that, yeah. that pitched would be one group. But, but there's been so many. Uh, 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 well, let me tell uh, you a couple uh, of mine. I'll tell you a couple of mine. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So uh, the first one is actually somebody I never met. Uh, and But he was All-American. And uh, his name, Joe Modica. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, don't came in on the back end of Joe Monica. He was a catcher, and I never met him. All I heard was just stories about Joe Monica. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I want to be like this guy. I, yeah. never, I never saw him. I never met him. I saw his stats, but I heard you tell stories. I heard Q, who's Rodney Martin. I heard Q tell stories. I heard my teammates tell stories, and I thought, man, if I could be half of Joe Monica, I'm going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, well I was going to mention him, Joe uh, uh, Tim, but I didn't. He was an All-American, yeah. so one of the best players I've ever been around, Joe Monica, no question about it. 
My other one. Yeah, he's. Yeah, so Joe is Joe is maybe one day in life I I'll get to meet him and, and tell him how big of an influence he had on me. Yeah. Uh, but the other one um, is Gustavo Rodriguez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Gustavo was on a great team and nobody knew about it. He was a good player. Yeah. That's, well, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, he and I. Uh, my fresh after you know during my freshman year and after we just we we came, we became close, and yeah. I, I just always admired him and his perseverance and what he had been through, you know. Yeah. Just he told me the stories of leaving Venezuela, and yeah. getting to the literally the shores of South Florida. Uh, he was a he became a big Florida State fan because that's where he first started was in Tallahassee. Had to learn English got to Cumberland. I don't even know how he got there, but then just his his mental toughness to just do whatever he needed to do. Uh he always pulled through for us and I just yeah. I just admire the heck out of Gustavo. Well, he was a you know, he was a, on a, a, one of my greatest teams that you were on 19 offensively one of the greatest teams that we've ever had here in 1990. And Gus was in the background of that team. He played right field. He had good numbers too, but he he didn't match what you, some of you guys did. So I think it's a good a, a good uh, good club. You know, he's a yeah. good one to, to. Well, you know, teams need people like Gustavo and Steve. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Tommy yeah. and and I mean, we could sit here and name uh, you know several hundred other people like them, and you know, yeah. guys like me or Joe Monica or or uh, Bobby Perna or you know uh, or others who kind of get more of attention, but boy, we would be nowhere without those guys. Yeah. And I think about the, about the old four team, you know, we had a really, some really good players, but we also had Caleb Barrett at the bottom of the order, Derek DePue, our second baseman at the bottom of the order. And, you know, those kind of guys were just key, key people in our lineup. And, you know, in 2010, we had all those guys playing and had great numbers, but we had a kid named Dave Ware, that did a great job for us and stealing bases and playing center field and, and uh, TJ uh, played second base and, you know, those guys don't get much attention, but they did great jobs. And in those type of players, your second line players are sometimes are the heart of the team. Yeah. So that's a good point. I'm glad you brought those things out. Well, I talk about that with our team at, at Lee's McRae an awful lot because obviously, you know, as competitors, we, you get so focused on your own self and being your best and, you know, trying to just uh, produce uh, that yeah. sometimes we lose sight of what our role is within the team and that every single role on the team is important and that the team's not going to be successful without you, even though maybe you're not the one winning the race. Maybe you're not batting cleanup. Maybe you're not the starting pitcher, but you are critical to our success and here's how you can fulfill that role and if you do then everyone else can be more successful and that you know high tides raises all ships and so to all those players out there or coaches who have players like this I think that's the value you try to instill in them is that you have an important role you not you might not be the key person but we need you as much as we need that that top player because otherwise we're we're all going to sink. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great great points there, great points. Well, coach Hunt, congratulations and Thank you, Tim. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate your friendship. Well, thank you. 
And, well, uh, you're 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 special to our program, one of the all-time greats, and I, you know that. And you don't say it much, but you know you're recognized as so proud of what you've done for in in the coaching area and who you are. And I, I'm glad this podcast thing is going off well for you. Well, I appreciate that. So, uh, under the sun, listeners, stick around because uh, the next clip is going to be Coach Hunt and I diving into, uh, yeah, building uh, a culture of success. So. Stick around and listen up. Thanks, y'all. And we're back on Under the Sun. And I'm back with a a special guest who's been on the show once before. I'm sitting down with Coach Woody Hunt, the baseball coach at Cumberland University. Uh, He's a coach that I played for during my college years coach hunt welcome back to under the sun well glad to be here tim it's good to see you again and a new equipment and it looks good oh man i'm getting pro yeah <laughs> well i wanted to sit down with you again in person this is my first in-person interview with this new equipment and i want to talk about building culture not only building culture but building a winning culture that is sustainable and you have done that you know we're in the press box here at the ballpark here on campus at Cumberland and I was looking at the clubhouse out there and what do I'm gonna catch you off your off your feet here a little bit what does 22 12 and 3 mean to you do you know what those numbers are 22 12 and 3 I would say uh, three national championships. Bingo. That's right. Twelve trips to the World Series. Bingo. And twenty-two conference championships. You know your numbers. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> you win that round of Jeopardy. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Twenty-two conference championships. I was fortunate to be a part of three of those. And if I look back on my own athletic career, that accomplishment with the team was it's one of my more proud accomplishments because we helped start something. Yeah. And of course the guys the year before in 88 really got it going because mm-hmm. they went to the world series the first time, but you were in the early years of your coaching career and, and now you're getting to that point where you're soon to pass the torch. But I wanted to dive into culture and winning and what it takes to build that level of success and consistency from your perspective as a coach? Yeah. Well, well, the early years, you just, you're so uh, wrapped up in what you're doing. You're, you're at, uh, you just have joy in coaching and joy in running your program, and, or you could call it passion. And passion just kind of leads you to work hard, uh, to, to try to be the best you can, to create an environment that's, uh, that the players can be successful in. And so I think the first thing when I started my career, just the, the joy and happiness that I had in coaching, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And I uh, felt blessed to be able to do that. And you just kind of uh, put your nose to the grindstone and just work, you know, and, and then kind of things fall in place. But you, you've got to have some success early in, the, in your career to build a, to build a program. It's doesn't, it doesn't start. And always with you know you gotta I think you gotta start quickly 
and the quicker you can have success, the better off you, the better chance you have of building a program. But it doesn't always happen that way. But for me, it happened that way. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing is, I came into coaching, you know, fifteen years ago, and had no coaching experience prior to that other than just working with teammates and and helping others uh, as an athlete because when you get into coaching they don't give you a manual no there is no how-to book you know you're literally making it up as you go along and my experience thus far working in college athletics at least is athletic directors and others they give you this the liberty and the freedom to you know govern your own team do what you want to do it's your team just like a professor in a classroom how did you make all those decisions and knowing what you were doing was the right thing to do what guided you well there's always guidelines you got to go by with the school or whoever sets those guidelines but you know within those guidelines you just you know you have to set your own personal uh uh I wouldn't say got standards might be a better word uh, where you're going to uh, just work hard, demand that the players work hard and, and buy into what you're trying to do. And uh, basically uh, it's very simple for me. I just worked hard and demanded the players work hard. And I didn't have any secret formula, but as I told someone once before, hard work covers up a lot of, a lot of uh, deficiencies you may have as a, as a leader. And I think that's what I did. Well, if you go back to the early stages, because you've, you know, you've certainly had a, a life cycle with the program. You launched it, had all this growth, enjoyed success, high, really at a high level. And then uh, I hate to say it's kind of coming down because it's, it's not. Things are more competitive these days. But, um, you know, as you were starting, what, um, how did you instill in the players that, this is a direction you want to go because, you know, goal setting played a role in that and you established the goals and it seemed to me as a player that you had broken it down in chunks Mm -hmm. and we could swallow the fact that, okay, let's go win conference. And the next step is this and the next step is that. But as a coach, you know, you and I were having this discussion over coffee earlier this morning about how, more how many more decisions there are you have to make that are not even on the field Mm -hmm. and what it takes to be a coach and how that can bog you down sometimes so then again how do you get that going with your players well you you have to talk about what you want to do uh you have to instill in the players your vision you know and you and they have to see that you really are locked into that vision that you really care uh, for the program and them as, as players. And then you just set goals. I, I remember one of our early goals was to be the best, after we went to, from a two to four year school, is to be the best four year small college program in the country. That was our goal, and it still is. You know, we've never quite reached that goal, but we've been real close. And, uh, but, <clears throat> you know, instilled in, in, in that goal as a unit to be the very best that we can be. And then, you know, you break it down into smaller goals of, you know, winning conferences. I remember when you played, we, we took pride in winning conferences every year. I think we knocked off 15 in a row, and that's pretty hard to do in, in a very good conference. So, and then you have a goal, you know, to uh, – and you share a vision with your players. Look, we're going to go to the World Series. You know, I remember telling our players a long time ago that 
that we're going to win a national championship. I didn't know if I'd be the coach, but this program was going to win one. Well, it happened, and then it snowballed a little bit from there. Mm-hmm. Well, then you, you know, you've got the work you got to do to get to that point, and then there is a different level of work once you've had that level of success. That sets a new standard. And what decisions did you do differently as a coach and leader to continue to keep your players pumped up and excited and thrilled about the opportunity? Were there any things that you did differently at that time to sustain that momentum you had? Sustaining momentum and, and uh, maintaining a program is, is difficult. You know, anybody can get – I wouldn't say anybody, but a lot of people can get – can get there at the top, you know, but can you stay there? Very, very difficult. And uh, and I tell our players that to maintain excellence is more exhausting than creating excellence. And uh, so it's a very difficult thing. I don't know if I have all the right answers, but I just never let up, Tim. I just – that's my personality. That's who I am to understand this exhausting effort every day. I'm not talking about – Four days a week. I'm talking about every day. Yeah. Seven days a week. It just lives with you. That don't yeah. mean you don't do other things with your family or go to church. You know, you do other things, but you know the program that you're involved in. It's just, it's just part of your existence, mm-hmm. and you never lose sight of that. That may not be the right way, but that's what happened with me. And I just understood that it's going to be an exhaustive effort. That it, it, you have to really work. You have to understand. You got to work through issues, through problems. And you got to have good players, you know. You know, good players can – and can you get good players to perform is a, maybe the toughest thing to do in coaching is good players, if they can perform to their level that they are capable of, you're going to win a lot of ball games if you recruit well. Yeah. Well, you know, I think back often to my own experience growing up, and I think it would surprise people how similar the process is for – I could say baseball because that's mine, but other sports too that are a ball or a stick sport are to cycling. Yeah. You know, I mean, you might go out and pedal a bike or pitch a baseball or hit, but the process you have to put yourself through as a player, as a competitor, and as a coach, I can tell you from experience, it really is the same. Mm-hmm. There's not really much different when it comes down to hard work and. I think it's a great point you bring up about uh, it's exhausting because yeah. I share with our team pretty consistently that I acknowledge it's a heavy burden. Yeah, I'm asking you to carry a heavy burden, and it's not easy, and it, and it's not ever going to get easy, no. you know. And really, in the end, you don't want it to be because that satisfaction you get when you do have success is going to feel so much better because you know how much you put into it, and. Um, and so I want people out there to know that it doesn't matter if I'm talking to a baseball coach or a cycling coach or a business leader, the process to, to achieve the success you want inside your heart is so similar. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You think about other areas of your life, you know? Yeah. It, anytime you, you, you become excellent in something or you're, just, you're trying to get to that point, it's exhausting. And it's just work, basically. Uh, work. I think of... Uh, a local bank here, Wilson Bank and Trust, how Randall Clemens started that bank from a house, uh, just a regular house, into a one of the largest 
private owned, I mean, community-owned banks, probably in the South, you know, very successful. But that, that started with a vision and from a, one person that grew and hard work and just a continuing process, and now look where it's at. Well, funny story. Uh, I bought my first computer because Mr. Clemens gave me a loan. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that yeah. now that you bring it up. I remember being in his office. Good story. Um, well, what, when you look back on what you've done, now you're at a different point in your career and got an amazing facility, a lot of success, and you you never have talked about legacy. That's just not something you've ever even brought up. Other people do a lot. They're much more aware of it than you are. You're too busy doing that work that we're talking yeah. about. Um, but you are eventually it's going to get passed on to someone else. And what that process is like, this is a I didn't I didn't prepare you for this question really, is letting go. Well, that's uh <clears throat> that's been difficult, you know. I'm to that point yep. right now. Everybody knows that my age will tell you that it's about time to get out of it and there's a time and a season for everything there's a time and a season in a person's life and i'm hoping that through prayer and through circumstances that i'll figure this thing out but you know letting go is going to be difficult uh, because you know i've been on this little plot of land for 42 years you know and it's going to be hard I, I know that i hope i'm not selfish when i get to that point i hope that uh, i can come and enjoy a ball game here uh, i hope that uh, i can uh you know be be content with or happy with the success of the program after i'm gone and uh and all those things cross my mind and i hope that the next person that comes in here won't feel the the pressure that may they may feel uh but you know it's a, it's a it's a weird feeling uh never one that you never get ready for i don't think it just kind of jumps up on you. Uh, we we honored Coach Walters last night, and you know Mitch has he's calculated his retirement. He has set a date, and he stuck with it. Where I'm on the other, I'm straight out of the fence, you know. Mm -hmm. But just to let go of what I do uh, and what we've done is is going to be hard. However, on the other hand, and sometimes I I look forward to that mm -hmm. because I know it's the next stage in my life. And I know I've got to prepare myself for that next stage. And that's the process I'm going through now is preparing myself mentally, preparing my heart for that. Uh, and I think I'm, I think I'm on track to doing it, but I got a, a little ways to go yet yeah. before I'm ready at that point. I think it's hard to just circle a date on a calendar yeah. when you do what we do, you know, it's a feeling you have, it's an emotion yeah. and you'll know when that time is right. Yeah. Um, I, well, Letting go has always been hard for me. Yeah. Uh, but I went through that here, you know, letting go of the position I had here at Cumberland to go on to something bigger and better. And I think no matter if you're at my place in my career and life, uh, I'm a I'm quite a few years behind you. But and or if someone's younger than we are, that you always need to be going towards something new for yourself that excites you and and you know, uh, when you wake up every day, you're looking forward to what's, what's ahead. Yeah. You've got something to challenge you, you know, 
And so um, it's been good for me to watch you go through all of these different stages of your career because it's helped me to be better prepared for what I'm doing. And I know that time is coming for myself. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be soon. I don't know if it's going to be well down the road. Um, But I know I learned from you to challenge myself no matter what I'm doing. And uh, that's a value that I know that hundreds of other people have taken from you, not just baseball players either, but athletes all across this campus. And so as people are talking about legacy, I think that's what the real legacy is, is for any of us, it's not 22 conference championships or three national championships or whatever. It is how did you affect people when you were working with them? You know, what did you leave with them that they can carry forward in their lives and their community? Well, I, I really don't know. I just did what naturally I naturally do, and that's I just have worked. I think I've worked hard, uh, almost to an exhaustive stage at times, and that's probably rubbed people the wrong way because people get jealous of things sometimes, and uh, but. Just, just the work and the grind. I think I've been able to do that, and the fact that you know, I care about the program. Uh, I'm, uh, the passion I have for the program to be excellent. I hope I've been able to leave that with our with our players, and I think through if they see my passion for the program, I may not be the best X and O guy or the most. Uh, I don't know. I don't try to figure that thing out. I just try to. Let the players know that I do care of how what we're doing. I do. I want to win. I want to win the right way. And I tell them that if you don't have that desire to win, you know why even do it? You know don't don't be satisfied with second place or you know or whatever. That's going to happen a lot more than first place, however. So, but you got to strive to be the best, and I think you, you got to have passion for the organization or care for the organization you belong to or you're representing and care for the people that are participating in that organization. And, and, and through all that, a lot of hardships come about. But if you have those, I think you can work things out. So I hope I've left, leave my players with that. Mm-hmm. Well, another little topic that's kind of a, that, that's a, an offshoot of that I want to cover with you. Because uh, this is something I I think about a lot uh, in general if I look back in time on my career, and at times I think about it daily because I wanna I wanna manage every moment I have with the athletes as best as I possibly can. So I've learned to slow things down and not let my emotions or ego get out in front of me too much. But look back in your career: is there are there are there any situations or occurrences where you look back and say, you know what, I sure, now being a more mature, more experienced coach, I wish I had handled that situation differently. That, you know, I, I, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I wish I could go back and change that. Yeah, there's been many of those cases. Uh, a lot of them have been with, with people, person, one-on-one, where I've made that handle the person the right way. And I've always, uh, that's always bothered me that, uh, you know, we it, it's hard to be fair with the, with playing time. Uh, so I try to tell players that everybody's got equal importance, whether you're the, the best player on the team or the used, uh, you, well, you don't play hard at all. 
everybody's got an import, and I really try to get, make them feel that way. But I know I've made some personnel decisions that were not in the best interest of of, uh, of the player. I recall once that I brought a player in, and and a shouting match occurred, and I was very accusative of accusing him of a lot of things, and and that was when I was younger, and I, I really want those moments back, but I can't take it, uh, and I've I really wish that uh, uh, there's a few other occasions that I've been a little bit more better uh, in, in per- certain situations of letting them help, helping them fight through situations, and that's happened several times. And I've made, I've made some on-the-field decisions that I think have hurt us. Uh, the 2006 World Series, I, I bunted our, our best hitter, you know, and he had hit a home run early in the game. Uh. So uh, I wonder what would happen. He got the bunt down, however, and so I wonder what would happen if I'd had of, uh, let him hit. Yep. So that's, that's always daunting to me or – I think about that a lot. And, uh, you know, we, we lost in extra innings that game. That could be another national championship for us. And then there's been a couple of the times that I, I know that on the field that I made some bad decisions. Uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, you don't intentionally make those decisions, but uh, you, you sometimes you make them you, where you have to. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I just – I use you for an example. Uh Maybe the hardest thing I've ever do ever done has been a two occasions of this that I've had to cut players from the tournament team. Yeah, that they that they both went on to play professional baseball. Yeah, because you know you were who was fr- the other guy? Brian Sullivan. Ah, uh, uh, yep. Uh, you you was a freshman and had a very good year. And Mike Mike Wheeler, who was here last night, in fact, but he he got hurt. You stepped in. He played very well. You deserved a good on that tournament team. And I remember. That you were crying in my office, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, but what I remember most about you is you got more determined and you came back and made All American and went on to have a pro career. Brian Sullivan the same way. Brian, a left hand pitcher that I we only take twenty players. That was hard. Yeah. And I cut him because I I wanted to take a senior in both cases, and so I don't do that anymore. I take the best. There and you but go. I cut Brian. He comes back and gets drafted by the Cardinals. Yeah. So I was his catcher that next year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so you know, I I look back on those things and really regret them. Uh, and and there's been some other th- situations that have come up that I regret. But you know, as far as the program's concerned, Tim, I, I've uh, you know, I'm always looking to better things with the facility. I, I kind of wish I had done things a little different with our facility mm-hmm. uh, because I love facilities. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite things about this sport I love for so Okay, well, I didn't know you were going to say that. Yeah. So I know that people you and I know, they're going to want me to ask you, well, what would you want aside from lights? Okay, that'd be a dream to have lights here. Um, but, yeah, what, what would you do differently facility-wise? Because it's pretty awesome. I mean, yeah. I would kill for this when I was a freshman. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> but – yeah what is your dream because you always dream yeah i mean always i remember us tearing down uh the backstop one year and building a new one and we're all looking at it before we tore it down and we're like there's nothing wrong with the one we have <laughs> yeah. why are we doing this yeah. we could be 
in the batting cage doing different things, but no, we're, we're laying brick and we're painting. Yeah. So what would you have that would be different now? <clears throat> well, before I get to that, I've, I've told our players just, just recently that it's my job to create an environment for them to, pl- to play their best. Yes. And I take that very seriously. I want our field to be immaculate. I want it to be the best it can be. And when it's not, I worry about it. I, I fret about it. And they do the work. And they do the work, yeah. Yep. And uh, so uh, what I would do differently, Tim, I, I wish our, our clubhouse was on the other side where we could attach it to the hitting facility. Mm, yeah. And that would be the, the big thing I'd want to do. And, of course, lights. Uh, but we can't do anything about that. Uh, the neighborhood is prohibits us from having lights. But that would probably be the big thing that I would do is with the clubhouse, you know, move in a different spot. But when – we do things in stages here when when you look at something and, and you do it, you're just so happy you get it done. You know, it's hard to, you know, do it differently because you just make it work at the time. Yeah. Well, one of the main reasons that I came to play for you, one, was because you showed interest in me when no one else really did. <laughs> That was obviously, you know, that was the biggest thing for me personally. But then uh, I'll never forget my visit during the summer before I came here in the fall. And this was in eight, uh, 1988. And I was here with my best friend and we're walking around the, the stadium and we couldn't find you. I was looking for you. And I'm like, where where is he? And I'd only met you one time before that. We talked on the phone, but we came around the first base dugout. We go through the gate at the first base dugout, and there you were along the baseline just covered in dirt. <laughs> you are totally covered in dirt, and you were like uh, uh, um, edging the baseline or doing something, And but you were just – you were getting after it. Yeah. And, I mean, no joke, literally right then, I'm like, I'm coming here. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of recruits have found me that way, and that that's not my intention. That's just, you know uh, – Back in those days, Tim, I just worked so much on the field by myself in, in the summer. And uh, it's just kind of a labor of love. And, and uh, I want players to see that, you know. Uh, but that's who I am anyway. I'm not trying to create a – I don't try to work to make them see me. I work because I'm a worker. Yeah. And, and, I, and then uh, if they see that and get something out of it, you know, that's good for our program and good for the players. Well, big believer, we didn't use this terminology back when, you know, I was here, but, I mean, you have to lead yourself first Yeah. as the coach. If you want them to buy in or do anything, you have to be the one setting the example. If you're not setting the example, you might as well get out of the yeah. coaching business. Exactly right. You know, uh, I want to come back to uh, a little bit of what you said a minute ago just about, you know, the decisions that kind of – that they kind of eat at you, you know, or you're just like, oh, is that I don't know that people realize that how much coaches or leaders, uh, they are, we are our worst, our own worst armchair quarterback. That how often we really second guess ourselves and we make a decision, it turns out to be a good one, but until we realize it's a good one, we are just thinking about it constantly. Gosh, I hope this works. Is it going to work? And, you know, now being a coach for as long as I have, I can, boy, I can empathize with all the things that you have gone through through your career and other coaches. I talk to them a lot about what they are experiencing and their 
their highs, their lows, their frustrations. And, uh, you know, because as you said, we're all in it because we have a passion for what we're doing. One, we love the game or we love the sport we're involved in. But then two, you get hooked on, uh, the interactions with your players and how much joy and fun it is to do that. Whether you're winning or losing, of course, it's more fun when you're winning, but there's still a lot to gain from those hard times. Um, but I, I certainly can relate to what you're describing about looking back with my interactions with athletes over the years um, and how those, those even sometimes a big decision has a big impact on everybody on your team, unintended, and you don't realize it when you're making it, that decision. And then other times, those little little micro moments you have with players, how those even affect everyone else within your team and organization. It takes a little longer for that to happen, but it does. It seeps out, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and just you don't really learn those lessons as a coach until well down the road. Because I can think back to there's two decisions here at Cumberland that oh, I just hang my head in shame. Like, why did I make that decision? I should have, I should have stepped up. Yeah. I should have done that differently. And how different of a, and better of an experience. One situation was a team thing. Another one was an individual. And, um, and I look back and uh, I, I wouldn't make that same decision for sure. Yeah. And so it sort of guides me today in how I relate with the athletes that I work with. And then I have an on the field one from the, this past season where I, I did not assert myself as the coach and it cost us. Uh, but we all bore some responsibility in that because I, I also delegated some responsibility with, and, and so anyway, I look back on that and I think, well, as, like you said, we don't know if it would have worked out, even if you did make the right good decision, but at least we, you know, we'll never know. We'll never know. So, um, well, a few other things before we, uh, before we wrap up, I, uh, I mean, you've brought up some wonderful things and, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback from, at least I have, you know, from former players and my, my, that I've talked to since we had the first discussion months ago and, you know, I don't. I don't want for people to get pigeonholed into thinking this is only for ball players because I think what you have to share is applicable in you know for other areas, for other sports, for other people. I know you're here on campus. You you have people come to you all the time for advice about this or that as it relates to what they're doing on campus, and and other people in the community kind of lean on you. What's that been like for you as a person? Just to know that you have you have others coming to you for advice and counsel and you were talking about, I can see you looking at me now, like you're thinking about it. Um, uh, just that, that is a burden, you know? And, and I mean, it's not, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean, it's nice. It's affirming when people are coming to you, it, it's a positive and you're like, you know, wow, that, that's, that's special yeah. because so few people today, it's different today. I think, you know, I've said this to my team before, like just because you have a gadget in your hand that can give you every answer in the world, you know, there's more collective knowledge in our room and our circle of friends than there is in that little device. 
turn to them first, you know? So, but for you as a coach who you get to experience that on a regular basis, how much joy do you take from that? That's got to be fun. Uh, well, it is affirming, that's for sure. I think it's a, a good word you used. Uh, I, I'm just kind of used to it now. And, and But when I was a few years ago, I was kind of surprised that they would come to me. I, what do I have? The, what advice do I have? I never, I, really, I guess I never uh, uh, understood, uh, and I, let me say it's the right way. I never really grasped maybe the impact I had uh, and I never felt really worthy at times to be to give people advice because I always was looking for some advice too. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, so it's kind of been surprising. I'm kind of used to it. I've had even players, I mean coaches from you know around the country, make ask me questions or advise some things, and and so. I, uh, you know, I, it's just a fact that I've been coaching for so long and, and we've had some success, but uh, I think they look at that and feel feel like that we're doing something right, and, and that does make you feel good. But, you know, through my experiences, listen, you know, time that you spend in something is really uh, makes you who you are. It takes time, Tim. It just, you know, it, it takes a, a lifetime to create the wisdom that you have gathered. It doesn't happen. Now, uh, wisdom and intelligence are, are a lot different. You know, you can be a very smart person and not have wisdom. Wisdom, you, you get that through experiences, uh, through difficult times, through good times, and you start developing wisdom. And that means you... You have an idea of what to do in certain situations. I tell my players there's two reasons they should listen to me. Because of no hair on top of my head and gray hair on the side of my head. Hmm. No hair and gray hair because I've been through that. it. I love that. I love that. And but and I think you probably feel that you've been coaching a while now. But, you know, to be able to share advice or to to uh maybe help a person solve a problem. It's very rewarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think today's generation, in in bottom of my heart, I really believe this. They're better than us. Yeah. They have. They they are ready. They're better than us. They more capable. There's a few things that I feel like if they would just add this to their toolbox, it would accelerate that growth. And one of the biggest ones isn't more work because they're working their butts off. It is ask questions. Yeah. Ask questions of the people around you that, ha- like you said, that have that perspective, that have got the experience, and want to help you. You know, it's your job to help these ball players be better ball players. It's my job yeah. to help these cyclists perform, and it's what we love to do. Yeah. I mean, we would do it for free if we could get by on everything else yeah. because of so much joy it brings us. So the athletes out there, it's it, it, we want those questions yeah. because it's that's how you're going to accelerate your growth. If yeah. there's no questions, then I get really concerned. Yeah. I get concerned about the situation. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Uh, uh, 
you know, you have to, uh, today's world, there's, there's resources to, to play to get better is there for us. Mm-hmm. You know, back in your day, it was, you know, we didn't have all the stuff we have now. And uh, I was raised that way too. You know, we have, you just worked hard and, and you had what you had, you know, uh, Today, the players have every resource possible to to be the best they can be. Now, the formula is not mixed up right sometimes. Mm-hmm. They it's a little different way of mixing it up, you know, creating a formula to success. Yeah, and I think players today may get that a little bit confused. Some don't, and some do. But, yeah, uh, the the stuff is there for them, but they just got to figure it out. And it's our job as as coaches to help them figure it out too. So it's good that when they come and when they want advice, and they seek it, they seek the wisdom and, and the understanding of the game that you have. And 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 some players lean on lean more on that than others. But uh, I think through all the stuff that we have today is it, it's created a different culture, not only in the sports but in in life. Yeah. And so. Uh, and I've had a, maybe a little difficult time, you know, to trying to adapt to the changing culture. And, you know, but you don't want to – you can't just – you've got to be able to adapt to the times, but you don't want to uh, get away from what got you there, I guess you would say. Yeah. You know? Well, there's – you've got guiding principles. Yeah. You know, you've got your core values. Yeah. Uh, you've got those – those characteristics that go into your daily character yeah. and how you carry yourself. And you have to lean on that first. Like I said, you got to lead yourself first and then lean on your teammates next. Yeah. I think that, I think teammates are more powerful than the coaches. Yeah. In my opinion, you know, if they're leaning on one another the right way. I've said that too, that I've told teams that you can do more than I can do or the coaches can do. You know, if you can have that, that uh, influence within a team, teammate, team, peer influence is what I call mm-hmm. it. You, you've got something where, where players can lead each other. And, and you've got you to have guys that have a passion to play and to do the best they can. You know, and uh, if you don't have that, I go back to that word passion. If you don't really care about what you do, it's just not going to work. Yeah. I don't yeah. care what you do. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. Well, that's the fun part of coaching is that uh, you get to be part chef, part maestro, part, uh, um, you know, the person that's in the background. Yeah. And you get to just watch sometimes. And I try to finding the right balance and mix of that uh, where you insert yourself where you need to, but you step back and you let the players figure it out sometimes. And I do that a lot with our team is, you know, you've said this before about taking ownership. You know, you have to do it as a coach. Yeah. And but you have to instill that into your players and your and your athletes that listen, this is your thing. This is what you said you wanted to do. Yeah. And this is it this is what it takes. Yeah. You know, are you gonna step up and do it? If not, the, okay, that's fine. But the thing I, I use this a lot that you you instilled in me is hey, lead, follow, or what? Get the get the you know what out yeah. of the way. Get out of the way. Yeah. And it's okay to get out of the way, yeah. but just do that. Just mm-hmm. don't be in the way. Yeah, one of my favorite, I have a little thing on my desk somewhere in there, is I had that very saying, uh, you know, either you lead, if you don't lead, you got to follow mm-hmm. within a team 
concept or a company, whatever it may be. But if you don't want to lead or follow, you must depart. Yep. Yep. And you know what? I think that goes for employees of a, of a college, employees of a business. You always, you know, you, you should apply that. And boy, I tell you what, I think about that one a lot. Yep. That, that really hit home with me because I saw it work. I've seen it work time and time again, and I've seen it not work. And so, you know what? I think that's a, I think that's a good ending to our segment. Uh, I've enjoyed it, Tim, and well, I'm impressed with the new equipment. So <laughs> I'm going. You know what? There's no telling where this is going to go. I'm kind of excited about it. So. I can visualize you doing a talk show someday. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. Don't think I haven't dreamed some crazy dreams. Hey, I've, if if George George Plaster Nash was a good friend of mine, uh huh, he's great at it. So you know, you might be the next George Plaster. Oh goodness. <laughs> All right, that's going to make Joe Dubin. Uh, he's going to be jealous you said that instead of the next Joe Dubin. Well, Joe, either way, they're both good people. <laughs> All right, Coach Hunt, thank you for being on Under the Sun. Uh, I've enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure that we will uh, we will connect again and do another one sometime soon. Yeah, well, thank you, Tim. All right, thanks. <laughs>